everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of The Chief Brief. I am enthralled. That was the performance we've all been waiting for. It felt familiar, but somehow brand new and shiny. And I'll be the first one to admit that I had my doubts. I was a little bit skeptical, but I'm proven wrong. Taylor's version of 1989 is unbelievable. Wait, don't be fooled. She's just a regular Malibu Stacy with a stupid cheap hat. She still embodies all the awful stereotypes she did before. But she's got a new hat. And in vastly less remarkable news, the Kansas City Chiefs dismantled the Los Angeles Chargers 31-17, firing on all St. Louis, both offensively and defensively, gaining sole possession of first place in the AFC. But let's get through all that so we can talk about Taylor and the nachos. So without further ado, here's this week's Blitz. Let's go! Week 7, 31-17 Chiefs. And here's some stats for you. Patrick Mahomes, 321 yards and 3 TDs. And Travis Kelsey, 143 receiving yards. And then there was a second half of football. Stop! He's already dead! The defense kept... Justin Herbert under 300, which is always a success. And we had five sacks in a game where Chris Jones was double teamed and got zero tackles. That is the depth of this line. And welcome to the team, Charles Amenahue. So let's get to some game notes, starting with the thing I'm probably the most excited about this week. And the thing I see the biggest change in this year, the defense. It seems like every player is maximizing their potential. They're really firing as a unit. There doesn't seem to be a lot of miscoverage or mental errors. And I think all of this starts up top with defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo. Now, I know in the past I've been critical of this man. He came onto the team in 2019 on a team that I was in love with their defense. The Alex Smith days, we'd win low scoring games on defensive stands. Spagnolo came on, you saw a shift in more of a high-flying, high-risk, high-reward type of defense that was turnover-dependent. I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night! Since joining the team, the Chiefs have never had a top-10 finish when looking at yards against the defense. However, they have finished in the top-10 every year in defensive scoring, risking big yardage on all-or-nothing plays. And I'm well aware that the Chiefs are prone to giving up yardage because generally, they're leading in games and teams are passing against them. But in those years since 2019, if you look at the defense, they also finish in the bottom 30% of rushing yards against. But this year feels different. And here's some stats that support the changes. The team currently ranks second in the league in yardage differential, which is essentially a stat that compares how many yards you get versus how many yards come against you. Now, we always finish in the top of the league in this statistic, but that's because Mahomes throws for 10,000 yards a game. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? The difference this year is that if you look at our offense, it's actually performing worse than normal. Now here's where it gets a little complicated, but I'll try to keep you with me here. We have a simple rating system in football. It is a measure of your offensive simple rating and your defensive simple rating. And essentially you combine them to tell you how good the team is. It's kind of like wins above replacement in baseball where you take a player's offensive and your defensive measures, and it tells you how valuable that person is. Now, in the past, 
our offensive simple rating has accounted for most of our overall score. If you look at the average of the last four years, our offensive simple rating is usually around six or seven, and our defenses is around one to two. However, this year, with a 7.9 simple rating, that's the overall number, our offense has accounted for 0.8, and our defense has accounted for 7.1. whoop de doo What does it all mean, Basil? Now, for the people that understood the baseball analogy, to paint a picture of what that means for this team, it's kind of like if David Ortiz woke up one season and decided he wasn't going to hit a baseball and only played defense, won the gold glove, and still somehow ended up with the MVP. You don't know how to play first base. Scott? That's right. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell him, Wash. It's incredibly hard. And that's what Steve Spagnola has done to this team. The impossible... He woke up one morning and taught David Ortiz how to wear a baseball glove. The offense looked amazing. There's not a lot to say there. Mahomes throws for over 400 yards. Kelsey receives over 170 yards. They're Batman and Robin, and they're unstoppable. It's that easy. And here's the best part. You know what's going to Kelsey. I know it's going to Kelsey. The defense knows it's going to Kelsey. And 28 times in a row, Patrick Mahomes passed to Travis Kelsey for a completion. It could not be more simple, Luann. You want me to show this to the cat and have the cat tell you what it is? Because the cat's going to get it. 28 straight completions is insane. Picture that. Most quarterbacks have like 30 attempts in a game. So an entire game of just throwing the ball to Travis Kelsey on every single play and at no point during those 28 catches did the defense go maybe we should stop this guy from catching the football i don't know how the guy does it and it's funny because i actually don't know how the guy does it because whenever you watch patrick mahomes on tv the camera is so obsessed with him running around in the backfield that it never really pans out and then suddenly he throws a 35 yard reception to kelsey who seems to be standing wide open i don't know how he got to that point but He's there, and it's unbelievable that he is open. The closest relative comparison I have to this is in an NHL game when you're watching the Washington Capitals, and there's Alex Ovechkin standing wide open on the top left circle, and he scores like he has 550 times from that spot on the top left circle, and you say, how have they not put a guy there to stop him yet? He's spinning the ball on his finger! Just take it! That's Travis Kelsey, 20 yards, middle of the field, no linebackers, no safeties, no nothing. Catch the ball and run. And we're still seeing this this year without offensive coordinator Eric Pieniemy. He's just open, and I don't think it's a route. And Mahomes has joked multiple times that Travis Kelsey doesn't really know how to run a route. And I don't think it's that he doesn't know how. I think he's just the improv king. I think he's super good at finding negative space and getting to it. I'm The running backs got involved in the passing game this week, as they should have. Jet McKinnon broke my heart. He had about a 50-yard receiving touchdown called back for a hold, but he looked great when he was on the field. Pacheco looked good in his roots and caught his first receiving touchdown of the year, proving that he's not just a ground-and-pound running back. And Rasheed Rice stepped up big. The kid looks amazing. Three touchdowns on the year, 
and I'm super excited that we hit on this draft pick and to potentially have the first wide receiver one not named Tyreek Hill in my lifetime as a fan. We've come a long way from the Dwayne Bow years and the season without a wide receiver touchdown. McCole Hardman takes it at his own 15, stops, waits, comes up to the near side, breaks a tackle at the 40-yard line. McCole Hardman midfield gets a block on his feet and out of bounds at the Charger 33-yard line. McCole Hardman, welcome back to the Chiefs' kingdom where you belong. What did I tell you? This kid makes big plays. He only had three targets in the game, which doubled his season total because the Jets didn't use him this year and were easing him in. But when he was on the field, the Jet did Jet things. On his first target, he dropped the ball. It was pretty bad. It was very catchable, and I got nervous that Mahomes was going to give up on him. And I'm sure every Chiefs fan said, well, what the hell did we pick this guy up for? Oh, no! We suck again! But if you remember the AFC Championship game, McColl fumbles that punt and then has the game of his life with a receiving touchdown and a 55-yard punt return because that's what this kid has, accountability. He wants to do good. And there's something to be said about a guy that picks it back up and gets out there. On his next target, Mahomes took a deep shot at him with a defender all over him on what is probably going to be my favorite incompletion this season because Mahomes didn't lose faith in him, finally took a shot at a deep ball, and this had that old F it Tyreek's out there somewhere feeling. Mahomes was lost in the backfield, didn't even take a look downfield really, and just figured, eh, McColl's out there somewhere, and I trust this guy, and I love that shot. I said last week, I think this offense needed a spark, and I was wrong. I was wrong in the sense that I thought it needed a loss. But if you watch McColl on that punt return, I've never seen the team more fired up this year. Mike Dana is so excited while the return is happening that he throws his hands up in celebration and forgets that he still has to block. The whole team rallied around this kid, and it was amazing to see. Top it all off with a late game reception that pretty much secured us the win. And this is going to go down as my favorite trade this season. And with that, we'll take it into this week's top five, my favorite Kansas City Chief trades. Number five, in 1991 and 92, the first two years of my life, a Hall of Fame quarterback spent the majority of two seasons on the injured list. With his successor ready to take the reins, in 1993, the San Francisco 49ers traded Joe Montana and a third-round draft pick for the Kansas City Chiefs first. The Kansas City Chiefs would go on to win their first divisional title in 22 seasons. The best tackler I've seen since Joe Montana. Joe Montana was a quarterback, you idiot. I said Joe Montana. Number four. In 2013, the Kansas City Chiefs finished dead last in the NFL at 2-14, and I'd had just about enough of the Matt Castle experience. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. We needed a quarterback. 
And so the Kansas City Chiefs, owning the first overall pick, traded for one. The best part of this deal, we kept the first overall pick. We traded two more years of second round picks for Alex Smith, the man who I still say started this dynasty. The Chiefs in the two seasons before Alex Smith at the helm were 9-23. and 23. In the remaining games with him, 50-26. and 26. And yeah, sure, it also is important to note that that's the season Andy Reid took charge. Seven cheeseburgers. You ate seven cheeseburgers. But you got to give a little bit of the credit to this guy. But most importantly in this deal, we kept our third round pick. Because in the third round, with the first pick, we took a guy you might have heard of by the name of Travis Kelsey. Number three. In the 1996 offseason, the Kansas City Chiefs made a trade with the Oilers. Promise me I wouldn't do this. No, no, not those Oilers. The Houston Oilers, who would eventually go on to become the Tennessee Titans. The Chiefs dealt their first, second, and fourth round draft picks for a tight end who would become the greatest tight end in the history of football. And I know right now you're thinking, but you said that they drafted Travis Kelsey in 2013. Well, I'm not talking about him. My favorite Chief, maybe in history, Tony Gonzalez. The man is third all-time in receptions, in a time where the tight end was mostly used as a blocker. Tony Gonzalez would go on to spend 12 amazing seasons with the Kansas City Chiefs en route to a Hall of Fame career. And most importantly, he is the player pivotal to me being able to beat my brother in Madden. Number two is the Tyree Kill trade. Yeah, stupid, I know. And it's just petty on my part. Tyree Kill is the best wide receiver in the NFL. But my favorite part of this trade is that we got rid of him because he wanted out. And then we won a Super Bowl without him. Not a bad consolation prize, I'd say, especially when you consider that we used the draft capital to end up with Trent McDuffie. Maybe, if not the best young shutdown corner in football right now. But I just like thinking about this trade because... Everyone figured that was it. The dynasty's broken up. What's Mahomes going to do without Tyreek? Well, the answer was win a Super Bowl and an MVP. So it's nice to think about now. And finally, we have number one. In 2017, during the NFL draft, the Kansas City Chiefs made a deal with the Buffalo Bills to move up in the draft. The Bills would receive picks ultimately becoming Tredavious White and Tremaine Edwards a pivotal part of their still current defense and the Kansas City Chiefs would finally break the barrier and draft a dynasty quarterback no more dump passes no more checkdowns no more Alex Smith clock management I love the guy but it was time for a superstar and so that's why I was excited for them to draft Deshaun Watson when they came to the podium and announced Patrick Mahomes' name. I was screaming at my TV. What an idiot! Oh, what a loser! I can't believe we just passed on the best available quarterback in the draft, especially since superstar Mitchell Trubitsky is already off the board. Who the hell is Patrick Mahomes 
And what is he going to do for this team? Two Super Bowls, two MVPs, two 5,000-yard seasons, and one game short of qualifying as the NFL's second-only rookie MVP later. And I'm pretty satisfied with the pick. It's time for Arrow Headlines. Not a lot this week. A massive loss in Nick Bolton, starting middle linebacker. I was uh, pretty concerned when it happened, and I still am concerned. But there was a little relief in the immediate great play of Willie Gay on literally the very next play after Bolton went down. And again, it just shows the depth of this defense. It's the same thing that happened with Jones being blocked out and Amanehu stepping up. It's the next man up. Harrison Bucker was questionable earlier in the week, but seems to be healthy, which is super important when you're playing in Denver. However, I was a little excited to see Justin Reed kick the football. It's always cool to watch your starting safety uh, kick field goals for you, but it's also terrifying considering the game we had against the Broncos last time. It's all here. Fast kicking, low scoring, and ties. (laughs) You bet. Justin Watson is a full participant in practice this week, and it looks like he'll be coming back. Obviously, McColl will be cutting into his playing time, and you won't see him on the field as much. But if you bet, like I do, uh, I still like him on an over bet for yards gained. Uh, I wouldn't take him in receptions, uh, but pretty much all this season, he's hit the over on one long catch. And remember, I'm sure he's going to get some garbage time in mile high. And finally, Justin Ross joins the NFL's restricted list after felony damage charges. I'm not sure if we'll see him again in the red and gold. However, I'm sure he could always put on a Browns jersey, stand next to Kareem Hunt in the All is Forgiven team. Because remember, ladies and gentlemen, athletes can't go to jail. They can only go to sports jail and be suspended. Sports, 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 sports. Bart, Bart rides up in the front seat today because he's a good guy at sports. But... While we're on the topic of on-the-field penalties, let's discuss one that I don't necessarily agree with in today's Big Red Rant. Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. Pass interference. Now, I'm not talking what is PI or, you know, how much contact is too much contact, whether a ball is catchable or not, and whether that makes it pass interference. No. What I want to talk about actually occurred in this game in the third quarter with Trent McDuffie against Josh Palmer. Palmer makes an immaculate 25-yard reception, and Trent McDuffie interferes with him the entire time. The flag is thrown, the catch is secured, and the Chargers decline the penalty. Why? Because there's no further gain. The guy is being completely interfered with the entire time, and still makes the catch, and there's no further reward past that. Shouldn't there be? Shouldn't it be like, if you drop the ball, we'll award you the catch. That's the pass interference. But if you still make the catch, and I'm smashing you in the face, can I have an additional 15 yards, please? Especially since, what if the interference is stopping further yards after reception? What if I could have caught this ball and shaken you off and run it for a score. It's so stupid. What is stopping you as a defender from just interfering with anyone you expect to catch a ball? What are you doing? It's a game of touch. Every time I look over, you're on your ass again. I didn't hear my lungs. I'd scream at you. Oh, now you're going to blame me? 
Because you're not athletic enough to stay on your two feet? I hate you. It's the same feeling I have in hockey when a guy's on a breakaway and gets tripped and they say, hey, penalty shot. So essentially what we're going to do is give you the same chance that you should have had anyways, except with a thousand times more pressure. Okay, uh, and if I score, yeah, okay, we'll just go back to five on five. Okay, well, what if I don't score? Well, we'll still go back to five on five. Well, then why the hell wouldn't you trip anyone on a breakaway? If I miss the penalty shot, shouldn't I get a power play now? What's stopping me from slashing anyone in the neck that's on a breakaway? And that's the exact same situation the defender is in here. The guy's wide open, and you're not going to let him catch it and then run for 40 yards if he's on you. So why not just take his legs out from under him? Now with one timeout left, let's wrap things up. Put it on the clock. It's the 13-second drive. How to beat the Broncos this week. Ready? Go. Make sure there's gas in the plane. That should do it, right? Like it's the Broncos. Prediction? Chiefs 41, Broncos 9, maybe? All right, Homer. I'm not going to lie to you. There's a good chance you can beat Tatum, but you gotta visualize how you're gonna win, okay? Gotcha. A congenital heart defect has apparently felled Tatum moments before he could step into the ring. Here's hoping we don't fall into a trap game. As always, I'm your host, Jared McInnes, and I'll see you guys next week. Have a good night. All right, how about those cheese? Hey, great job, great job today. Way to find a way to get a win. Hell yeah. A ton of stuff we can clean up. Let's get ready to go for this next week, baby. Chiefs on three, one, two, three. Chiefs!